0: And I want to show your family how to do it, too. Hey, everyone, and welcome back to the Family's Fly Free Podcast. Today, we're going to talk about all things national parks, because I know that we have a lot of you who that is tops on your list is to get to more national parks. I know we have a lot of Families Fly Free members that have made it kind of their mission to visit all 50 or um, Cammie on the Families Fly Free team. She and her husband are just trying to get to, not all of them, but as many as they can reasonably get to. Um, So I know that's important to a lot of people. My family enjoys the national parks too, though we haven't Quite seen. Um, there's plenty more that we have left to see is what I what I should say. So um, I've invited on with me today, Brianna Royal, and I've known Brianna for um, quite a while now. Um, she led a great webinar for us a couple of years ago, and we had a travel summit um, all about her family's adventures um, traveling around the country in an RV and giving tips if you want to travel in an RV with your family. So They um, spent from 2014 to 2022, and she has a family of she's in a family of six um, traveling around the country in an RV. Um, You can only imagine the amazing things they've, I'm sure, seen and places they've been. And then they have even spent three months backpacking in Europe. Sounds amazing. Um, And she's written a book uh, called Full-Time RVing with Kids. Um, And you can find her over at crazyfamilyadventure.com where you can see all kinds of information about all the places they've been. So welcome, Brianna. Um, I know that you know lots about the national parks because visiting them in an RV would sure be a great way to, um, to get to lots of them. But um, so I just thought we'd start off by having you, if you wanna share anything else that I didn't include in our, my little intro there, and just tell us kind of about your experience in the national parks.
1: Of course. And and thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. I love doing podcasts. It's such a fun way to just get on and share knowledge and talk and chat and, and for us to catch up, right? Life's so busy. You never even get a chance just to talk. So this is great. So thank you for, yeah. <laughs> so thank you for having me on. And yes, I love the national parks and, and sharing all about that and encouraging families like people that are retired young people, whoever wants you to, to go and explore them. I do think it is a place that all different ages of people can enjoy the national parks. And, and the intro you gave to me before I get into that, perfect, nothing to add. That was great. Now we're just kind of boring and living in a house and based on our kids' choice to want to get into sports and live a normal life, as they said, which we're hoping at some point they realize isn't as cool as they thought. But in any case, here we are. <laughs> and how, what are the ages of your kids now? Right now they are 16, 14, 14 and 11. So we are at that point that it is uh, the right place for them to be, to really get into the yeah. sports and, you know, we're still homeschooling, but they're enjoying life being in one place and we're trying to enjoy it. My husband and I are making the most out of it. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, and they had that experience of all that travel, so They did. They hit the point where they said, we don't want to travel anymore. We don't want to see another waterfall. We don't want to see another national park. We're like, okay, but they'll they'll come back around to that. I think they will. They've been starting to have like even random things they'll say, but they'll say like, well, mom, I really miss this. I mean, I don't want to do it again. So like, it's like, they're afraid (laughs) if they say it too much. They're like, all right, let's go get in the RV. Let's go. So they're definitely saying things, but still like loving being here and playing the sports and doing the things we're doing here and having a house and, and all that, which I can appreciate too. There's lots about it that I like too, but lots we miss about being on the road. But that being said, the national parks have always been a thing for us that has been high on our list to do and see and visit. And over the year, we years, we visited 37 national parks. And we visited a few of them up in Alaska this past summer. We took the kids on a two-month road trip. We took them out of the house and all the stuff and said, let's go and headed up to Alaska for um, two months and visited a couple national parks there as well. Now, Alaska, harder to get to the national parks. Some of them you have to fly to. You have to do all sorts of different ways to get there. So we only hit two of them, but it was a really cool experience and glad we got a chance to do that. But yes, excited to be on today and just talk about visiting national parks and I do feel like sometimes people get a little bit worried about visiting a national park. Like, oh my gosh, do I need to like buy the Patagonia jacket? And do I need to have like the best hiking boots out there? And do I need to like, you know, what about bears? And what about, you know, like whatever. And my biggest thing I try to tell people is you don't need any of that. Like my kids have hiked all the trails, some barefoot, sometimes in Crocs. I don't know if you've ever seen that meme where it has like you know, you're so worried about hiking this trail with all your gear on, you know, someone's decked out in all the gear. And then little kid, they're like, my little kid just hiked it carrying their Barbie doll wearing Crocs with their t-shirt on. (laughs) I know. I always feel like inevitably when we're on a hiking trail, it just seems
0: like, like you said, there's that kind of thing passing us left and right. And there's, you know, older people, there's pregnant women that are just like doing it. Like it's no problem whatsoever. And, or no water bottles. That's another one that gets me is I'm just like, how do you, I have like six bottles of water in my backpack. You know, <laughs> they've got one little water bottle and they're doing this long time, but yeah, that's a good point. I think that you don't have to have all this stuff and able, you know, to be able to go to a national park. Um, no, let me just all. ask you,
1: what, what do you think, what would be the basics to have? I think really the basics are everything you already have in your house. Like if you ever go outside and walk around the block, like you're set, like that's what you need. And <laughs> Of course, like bringing like layers and things like that. Always a good idea, depending on weather. We never know what to expect with that. If you're going to go to Yellowstone in winter, yes, that's a little different. But if we're talking like, you know, regular when everyone else goes time of year in the summer, or spring, fall, I think just having a pair of tennies and, you know, pants and a jacket and a hat and some gloves with you just in case, like you're good to go. And then of course, water is important. It's good to have water. And, and again, though, even for water, like I think you can make a one mile hike just fine without drinking any water. If wow. you're planning, a, you know, six, 10... <laughs> if you had to, you could. Yeah. Right. Right. There you go. <laughs> yeah. If you're planning a six, 10, 15 mile hike, that's a whole nother story. Then you're starting to plan more for it. But if you want to just go visit Yellowstone national park, like most people don't even get more than a mile off of the main road. So if, if you want to do a big hike and you want to have a national park experience like that, which we highly recommend, then, yeah, it may make more sense to make sure that you're you're well-equipped with it. But we have never had hiking sticks. <laughs> My kids never had the expensive, like, hiking shoes or, you know, any of that type of stuff. And we've, the kids, we've taken the kids and hiked. 12, 15 miles with the kids, sometimes even unexpectedly. Oh, let's go six miles. Oh wait, how's everyone doing? Are you doing good, let's keep going. And then we've just continued to go. So with no additional planning like involved in it. So I do feel like it is something you can just bring the basics. Don't make that be what stops you from visiting a national park, thinking you need to buy all this stuff before you go.
0: And I will say the one thing that I have liked is the hiking sticks, just for me, because I get nervous sometimes like on the rock scrambling and the ledges and it just makes me it's probably not doing anything makes me feel a little bit more steady yeah everyone else in my family pays no attention they're just going on
1: (laughs) exactly and that's one of those things for you if it's something you feel you need to have like they go for and they also sell them at the national park so if you go on one hike and you're like oh like i really wish i would have they do sell all that stuff there you'll be able to get it there but again it's and it's you can do it without, I guess is what I'm saying is don't, don't make yourself not go because you can't find the best hiking six. <laughs> yeah, I, I agree. Yes.
0: So tell us um, if there's anything that we need to know in 2024, that's different about going to the national parks. I know, you know, since COVID, we've kind of seen the implementation of these different reservation systems, some for whole parks, some for um, specific hikes. Um, and or transportation, you know, sometimes can be an issue in some of these different parks. Is there anything that people need to be aware of?
1: Yeah, I think just above all, there are certain parks that do have where you need to get a vehicle registration before you go. And some of them you want to try to get three, four months out from your date you're going to go. So I would say, if anything, it's very important to look up the national park you're going to go to and the dates you want to go and check if there is a vehicle registration that's required for it. And right now, going into 2024, I believe there's just eight parks that are, let me say one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine parks that are requiring some type of reservations. And that's Arches, Glacier, Mount Rainier, Shenandoah, Rocky Mountain, Yosemite, Zion, Acadia, and I cannot say this one right. Halakalala in Hawaii. (laughs) So For those ones, you do need it. Now, for some of those ones, like for Acadia, you only need it to do Cadillac Mountain. And and so you don't need it to see the whole park just if you're going to do Cadillac Mountain. So there are some that it is limited as to what you need them for. But if you're planning a trip to any of those national parks, I would highly recommend getting on their website, the actual national park website, and just going to vehicle registration. They've done a really good job of laying out what those restrictions are, what you need to have it, times to get it and all of that. And then I'll add that if and there's also if you're going to do backcountry camping at places, you a lot of the times need to also get, uh, you know, register, register for that. Or if you're going to be doing that in some places, there are specific hikes you need things for. So just do your research up front on the place you're going and, and check those dates to see what you need to get for it. But all that being said, if you're someone that has a trip plan for Glacier and you're like, oh my gosh, I miss getting the vehicle registration. Don't worry. Go anyways, because you only need vehicle registration from like 6 a.m. to 3 p.m. I believe is what Glacier is for 2024. Don't quote me on that. Always double check the site. I think you're right. Yeah. <laughs> it is light out in Glacier until like 10 p.m. in the summer. So, okay, okay. that's Bye. a good tip you go at 315 and you can go wherever you want to go. And if you're like mm-hmm. us, we're like, let me sleep in and get up and go. And then there's less crowds also because everyone normally thinks you have to start your day at like 6am to go visit a national park, which to me sounds miserable. So instead sleep in, have a good breakfast. There's things to do around the park. Go do that. Go do the things you don't need the vehicle registration for. Cause there are things you can do that you don't need it for. And then just plan on hitting the, going to the, uh, going to the sun road at 315 and most likely there's not going to be as many people on it because everyone else is done for the day and back and eating dinner and, you know, doing that. So if you kind of just flip your way that you visit the park, I think there are ways around not needing the vehicle registration if you can be flexible like that.
0: Yeah. I love that you said that because that's how my family operates too. We don't like to be up at the crack of dawn. <laughs> None no. of us, but uh, I'm probably the most morning person of our group but and so we have always kind of done it that way too like we would just roll in when everybody else was rolling out and mm-hmm. we did pretty well but we haven't tried to do it in the last 2 years and I just feel like everyone's saying oh you just have to get there at the crack of dawn or you just forget it these days um but and and on glacier like we have not done glacier because and I've talked to this with Leslie a couple of podcasts ago but it just intimidates me because of the two sides and so can you like the going to the sun road is like a three or four hour drive in itself, right? So like if you were going to do this in the afternoon, how would you recommend say doing both
1: sides
0: later in the day?
1: So there's a couple of ways that we recommend it. And and I would say it's more like maybe a two and a half hour drive. It could be three to four if you stop and take a lot of pictures and everything like that. So leave that in your day. But what we've done, and this is only, of course, if you're feeling comfortable and you can do it, but we've driven the going to the sun road to get to the many glacier side to do things and then we've driven the going to the sun road back in the dark now in the dark it made it a little bit more scary you know because it's in the dark and it's scary as it is but we saw a mama bear and two cubs crossing the road in the dark and like you know saw some cool things but if you don't want to do the going to the sun road back you can actually drive around the park and you don't to that it. looks really long too, right? It is long. It's going to be long no matter what. So if you're okay. like, oh my gosh, that amount of driving in a day sounds miserable, then I recommend, my second recommendation is that you stay in the St. Mary's area of Glacier National Park for a night. So plan on just driving there, doing the going to the Sun Road as your trip, as what you're doing for that day and then spend the night in St. Mary's and then get up the next morning and then go into the many glacier area of the park to explore that part of the park. Cause I would definitely recommend doing many glacier. It's a gorgeous part of the park and not something you want to skip, um, check the reg- check the vehicle registration. So well for many glacier, there may be some restrictions around that this year as well. So make sure to check that and see if you do need a separate vehicle registration to get into that part of the park. I'm not sure if that's in place this year. I have it in my blog post, but I don't have it memorized. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's <laughs> you a lot there. to know on these. Yeah, but yeah. you do have to have it for the road, right? For the going to the Sun yeah. Road is here from 6 a.m. until I believe it's 3 p.m. You do right. need to have it, and then again, so outside of that window, you're outside fine. Or if you don't have it, you can drive. So the two, two, um, oh geez, what's it called? And I totally blanked on what it's called. Two Tunnel, Two Tunnel Mountain. I believe it's called part of glacier that like no one really goes to is on that other side of it so if you decide to drive around it there is a place there you can stop and explore and there's some fun hikes to do there's a cool lodge there okay there's lots of fun things to do there but yeah the the reality is is i feel like going to almost any national park you're going to be driving like a lot because these national parks are huge and cover a massive area but usually the scenery is amazing, so it's worth it.
0: <laughs> and they're not near any major metropolises. Usually, like Utah, like you know, inevitably we fly into Las Vegas, and then you got to drive to where they are. So, like you said, you just have to accept that's going to be part of the the deal. And yep, yep, and it's just figuring it. out the best way to navigate it. But I know you have a good, <laughs> and you've got information on your website too, kind of like guides on.
1: Yes. Yeah. All we have, in, we have a ton of blog posts on almost all of these parks. And then we also sell actual guides for one day, three day or seven day guide slash itineraries for Glacier, for Yellowstone, for Acadia, for Arches National Park, just to try to help you put a plan together on how you want to approach the park and how you want to do it. Now, all that being said, I am the least planner (laughs) when it comes to our trip. So if you're like, Oh my gosh, I do not want to have to worry about planning every single aspect of my trip. We have shown up at national park after national park without a plan. And the day before went in and saw the Rangers and said, Hey, what do you recommend we do? Listen to what they said. And then went out the next day and did it. So if you're someone that wants that, I'm not a planner either. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. So if you want to fly by the seat of your pants, by all means, you can do it now, as long as you accept that you may miss things because of that. So there has been times we've done that. They were like, oh man, we can't do that because we needed some type of you know, registration or this. it's closed now. We didn't even know it. We would have came a week later or a week earlier or whatever. So as long as you can accept that you may miss things, you can definitely do a national park by the seat of your pants. Just go for it and enjoy it. If there are things you know you want to do, it always makes sense to sit down and plan ahead and see when things are open. Again, Glacier, Going to the Sun Road normally is open by beginning of July, but there's been times it hasn't opened till after July 4th. So you could get to the park in June and the Going to the Sun Road is closed, and that is like one of the highlights of Glacier. So we always, in our opinion, we recommend going in August because you're almost guaranteed that the road is going to be open. Um, snow should all be gone and all of that. And it's a beautiful time to be in Glacier. So there are things like that you want to look into and just kind of know. I know for Yosemite too, there's some things that aren't always open. Some waterfalls aren't running or, you know, like things like that. So it's always good to do some research up front to know when is the best time to go and why based on what you want to do when you get there. And
0: like Glacier, since it's not necessarily always open like does like everybody show up in july and august i always worry about that being a problem there too it's such a popular one it's so beautiful like is everybody crammed into july and august
1: yeah i think so i mean july august and beginning of september is like a busy time you know september probably a little less because people go back to school and everything Mm -hmm. but we've had the same experience people say the same thing about yellowstone about glacier but we've we were there the whole month of august in glacier and we went and did every single hike we wanted to do, and found a parking spot every single time. If you're just patient, okay. we would drive around to find a parking spot, or we'd say, "Okay, we're not going to do this one today. We'll come back tomorrow." We did not get up at eight a.m. I don't think one day we were there, like to go do it. So Yay. we showed up at four o'clock, and you know, four <laughs> o'clock, and did the hike. You know, whatever. And and some of them we were walking back, and it was like sun starting to set a little bit. And yeah, with grizzlies, you want to be you know aware of your timing and everything. But uh, but we were always able to do everything. So I think if you go in. With patience, one. And then two, also knowing your schedule may have to adjust, and that's okay. (laughs) Just adjust as you go. But then know, like as soon as you start hiking in most of the cases, you'll be on a hike with you'll see maybe five people because most people aren't going more than a mile or two in. So if you really want to get away from the crowds, go on like a three or four mile hike and you'll realize like you'll feel like no one's there. So
0: any talking about crowds, any other tips to avoid crowds other than trying this later in the day and hiking a little bit further
1: no i think i think well off season is always a good time and like for glacier i would say off season would be like going in like september or Yellowstone would be going like in like maybe May or maybe again, September. You know, if you can avoid those prime times and when kids are off of school and and all of that is happening, I think you can definitely avoid crowds that way. If you can't do that, I think it's kind of like you just accept it. Like you just accept it's going to be crowded. You accept things are going to take a little bit longer and you try to just really go in. One, you plan a trip that's long enough to allow you to adjust your time. Like if you're going to Yellowstone, like a week, like you should be able to get everything in, but if you can go for like 10 days, you know, so you have those extra days in there that then if you're just like, oh, I'm over the crowds, I just, you know, don't want to deal with this, then you have a day you can just kind of hang out, go sit on the lodge porch and like you know, have happy hour and just take a really slow day where you're not doing the high tourist things. And I would say the other part of it too is every time we visited a park like let's say Yosemite, for example everyone's in the valley in Yosemite, it's gorgeous, it's beautiful, you want to do it, but if you go just a little bit outside of those main areas, there's a part in Yosemite that you can go to, I'm going to say it wrong, it's like Tulumen or something, it's, it's pronounced, you go to that part, there was like no one there, and it's still like these like gorgeous views. So if you can look in in Smoky Mountain National Park, we did the same thing. Like we went to an area that most people don't go to. We entered from a different spot. We went to a different area and it was just so much less busy. So there are, in every national park, I feel you can find places that aren't busy. They just may not be the top highest known attraction, which of course you want to see. You have to see Old Faithful, don't get me wrong, but you can see Old Faithful and then you can drive like to Lake in Yellowstone and like there's no one there. You could go sit on a beach at Lake in Yellowstone and there will be no one there. <laughs> so you can find these other places if you're willing to go a little bit outside of what everyone else is doing. And
0: what's a good way to find what some of those good places are? That would
1: be my website. Crazy. Okay. Family, but no. <laughs> that's one way to do it. But I think, of course, nowadays you go on TikTok, you go on Instagram, you know, you search things up on there and you'll see people posting about things. You also just go in and talk to the rangers when you get to the national park
0: yeah they probably can direct you to everybody's going this way today
1: yep exactly Uh and i think for them if you go in like we always stop even though we've done parks multiple times every time we go to a park again even if it's the third or fourth time we've been there we go to talk to the rangers just to ask them what's open what's closed what do you recommend and even to say to them this is our fourth time here like we've seen everything you're telling everyone else. Like, what else do you recommend? And we've gotten some really, really good recommendations from people. They get excited when you say that they're like, Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Let me tell you, go here. And a lot of the times there are even places that aren't even in the park. They're like, this is right right outside the entrance, like around the corner. It's like, it's this amazing place. And again, you go and no one's there. (laughs) And that's because that's not where they're sending. Cause they know most people want to check the list of, you know, the top things to do in the park. So I would definitely say, talk to the Rangers. And if you're a planner, like get online and research, but when you're Googling, like, let's say things to do in Yellowstone, make sure you're reading which article you're clicking on and avoid the reddits, avoid the Quora's avoid, you know, the like travel and leisure, like avoid all of that and find an actual blogger like a person that is an actual physical person that you can see their picture in the article, you can see their video they put out there. So, you know, they actually went there and experienced it because those are going to be the ones that are going to tell you the true story, not just the high level highlights of it.
0: Right. Not just the things that are getting those people high up on Google, say, for example, they're (laughs) just making a list to make themselves get high. Right. Yeah. Okay. Here's a question. So like, We one time we were in Utah and we were trying to go to one side of Canyonlands and it was Saturday though, so that's probably the problem. But we showed up and it was like an hour long line just to get into the park. Any suggestions on like how to avoid that situation?
1: I would say for that either one, don't go on a Saturday (laughs) or (laughs) I would number one. Mm -hmm. Yes, I would say that I would say two is to go like show up at like noon like, or two o'clock, like some random, I don't know what time you guys went at, but it would seem usually if you're getting a little bit later, again in the day have a better chance, or three would be bring a good book to read while you're sitting in line and just sit there and wait and know it's going to take an hour to get in. And like, it is what it is. Like, that's okay. Like we can wait, like we can be patient, put on a podcast, put on a, put on your podcast, <laughs> put on a book on tape or something like that. And just kind of know, make sure you have snacks, snacks and water and, you know, all that in the car and just know like that may be part of what's gonna happen on your trip there. And that's okay. Like, I think sometimes that is just what it is.
0: Yeah. And I think we ended up just saying like, we turned around and went, never mind Cause if it's already this busy, you know, with the line, we were afraid to be too busy inside. So I suppose you could do that too. Just like you said, if you've allowed for enough time, You can be like, oh, let's go do something else today and then we'll try this again tomorrow or whatever. Yeah,
1: absolutely. And sometimes when the line is that long, like I feel like, like I know in Acadia, we went to, we wanted to see this lighthouse and there was like a line of cars to wait for it. But the reality was that everyone drove in, they parked, they took 10 minutes to go see the lighthouse and then they left. So Mm -hmm. like people are rotating out and like, I think Canyonlands is a good example. There's not a ton of things at Canyonlands that's going to take you a lot of time. So my guess is that most people in Canyonlands are only going to be in, and I think I know what section of the park you'd be in. We're only going to be there for so long. So people will rotate out and there's not really any food to eat there. So people have to either bring food or they have to leave at a certain time to go eat. So again, I feel like we've always really tried to ignore people saying, well, it's too busy. Don't go or it's whatever. And just push through and Okay. I want to say 90% of the time it's paid off. Like it's been worth it. And we've been able to get to a spot and park and say, like, let's go do this. And like, once we did that and got in, like, it was a great time and we were glad we did it.
0: Yeah. I love this. This is like, don't be intimidated by visiting the national parks in any way, right? Just go okay. and do it.
1: <laughs> go and do it and have patience and know it's going to not be like, well, it is going to be like Disney. Cause how long do you wait in line when you go to Disney hours, you wait in line a day. Not with
0: Genie plus But <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, that's true. If you figure out things like that, but the majority of people are going to be probably spending time waiting or you're getting right. on the tram or you're doing whatever. Like, so don't expect that a national park is yeah, it's gonna be in a national park. You're just gonna drive into a big open field and no one's there. Like there are national parks for a reason. Or if that is something that turns you off, then find those less visited national parks you can go to, like North Cascades National Park, that like you can pretty much drive in and park anywhere and do anything you want to do, or go to Capitol Reef National Park, like again, lesser visited national park in Utah, that is our favorite national park that you're going to find less people are going to be at. And there is no entrance fee even to get in. So you just drive through the park (laughs) and you just, you know, pull off and park where you want to. And so there are ways you can avoid or go to like Death Valley National Park, which is a gorgeous national park. You don't want to do in the summer. I wouldn't recommend, but if you go in like November or December, like there's no one there. Like there's so many opportunities to visit parks that aren't busy. If that's if that's what's holding you back you can find those ones to go to if you have ones on your bucket list you want to go to just go in knowing they're going to be busy and prepare for that and be pleasantly surprised if they're not
0: <laughs> and north cascades that's in washington state right yeah okay and that's a on my team they just went last fall to that one and oh my gosh the pictures from that
1: yes it's stunning. like a mini glacier i would say like it has that's what it looked like in the yes. pictures <laughs> yeah and they have i mean they have glaciers there i think they maybe. Don't quote me on this, but they could have more glaciers there than they do in Glacier National Park. And we actually hiked up to a glacier and you're not supposed to walk on them, But, you know, we had to put our feet on them a little bit. (laughs) They don't say not to, but they say because you don't want to fall through and whatever. So for safety reasons. But of course, we had to touch the snow and, you know, do all that. Mm -hmm. But you can hike right up to a glacier. And we on that hike saw like three bears, just black bears. So that was good. Three black bears. I think they have grizzlies there. I don't think. Um, And then we saw on the whole hike, probably like 20 people like it was like gorgeous and it was a beautiful hike the whole way. And we did it with our kids. They were little and we all pushed through and it was awesome. So, yes. So those lesser visited ones sometimes are lesser visited just maybe because of location or maybe because of advertising, (laughs) whatever it might be. But they're well worth visiting as well.
0: Yeah. So there might be like some good alternative, similar, like that's a good example. If you're looking for glacier type scenery, that one has it, but without all the crowds, you know? Yes. Yep. Now, when they were going, they ran into, you know, uh, wildfire, forest fire problems. So I don't know if you have any suggestions about that, but they ended up, per your theme of, I think, today's podcast, they just went on anyway. Mm -hmm. And then they ended up, like the park was closed, I think, or parts of it were closed one day, but then one day it was open and the skies were clear and they were able to go and do the things, you know, but um, I don't know if you had any trouble with that. It seems like we're having lots of fires in the last few years, but
1: yeah, we've been lucky to not have it have to change our plans per se we did drive through a couple wildfires when we were going to Alaska this past summer so that was interesting like driving where the guy was like you better hurry they're gonna close the road like do we go do we not go okay we're gonna go and like through it and all you know smoky and like crazy but but we got through it but um it was okay but yeah i would say with that like i mean obviously there's we can't predict mother nature so it's hard to know but seasonality there are certain times when it's more likely that something like that will happen but i also know with the national parks they do their best to keep them open as much as possible at least parts of the park so yeah that's just one one of those you take a chance you know on and, and another reason maybe to have travel insurance in case you are flying in or have a lot of things booked like to have that just in case that happens because you can't predict it. You know, you can't predict, just like you go to Disney, you can't predict if a hurricane is going to come through and the park's going to close. And I know for those that stayed sometimes when those things came in, they had the parks themselves the next day. So point. similar for a national park, if you're willing to go. And, and again, I can't stress enough around the national parks, how much cool stuff there is to do that aren't in the parks. So you go to Yellowstone and let's just say Yellowstone was closed. Like the whole thing. I, I Let's hope that never actually happens, but like for whatever. That's a big,
0: that's a big park,
1: right? <laughs> it's a big park. Exactly. So let's hope it doesn't, but if per se, I mean, there's Grand Tetons is down South and then you go into Montana and you've got like Bozeman and you've got Red Lodge and you got the Beartooth Mountains. Like you've got so many other things to do. So again, if you're disappointed, of course, you're not going to see what you came to see, but there are other things to do all around everywhere you go that are beautiful and gorgeous too. So just have an open mind to look and maybe just adjust things slightly with the hope that the wildfire gets under control and the park will be back open and you can explore it maybe a day or two later.
0: (laughs) So do you have any suggestions of parks to visit this summer if families are looking to head to a national park?
1: So I always think that in the summer, like if you're looking like so you heard me say for glacier, be careful when you're going to go for the, going to the sun road, the rest of the parks, I think any of the Northern parks in June, July, and August, like are great to visit. When I say Northern, I'm talking about like, you know, like Washington and Oregon, and then, um, into like in Montana with glacier Yellowstone in Wyoming, like any of those like kind of Northern ones, I think the summer is a great time to visit those. If your kids are like my kids hiking in the heat is like not fun. So we try to avoid the ones where it's gonna be hot. And for us, like in July, Tennessee's too hot. <laughs> so yeah. we're kind of like, you know, the farther north we can go, the better. And Utah, even for Utah, I would say if you can go to Utah like at spring break, it may be a little Utah bit cooler. Yeah. But it's gonna be hiking is gonna be better. And you know, you maybe not swimming, you know, anywhere at that time. But I think April is a great time to visit Utah. And then, yeah, and if you're in the other ones and, you know, you go up to Maine, you only really want to do Maine, Maine closes in October, too. So you go up to Acadia. That's another good one to do in the summer. So I would really recommend any of those that would be in the northern part of the country that you really you can visit other times a year, but not the same experience. And we did our first trip to Utah over spring break, which I thought was a
0: great idea. That's because, A, you're not going to Florida like everybody else is. Yep. So, and we found, yeah, like Bryce Canyon still had a little snow. So that was kind of amazing. And then um, Zion, we actually did get hot by the, you know, high afternoon there, but it started off, you know, cool in the morning. So, and we've been there in October too. And that was also a really good, yeah nice weather um, time to do, to do Utah. But yeah, don't, I see people going in the summer and I think, oh gosh, do you know how hot it gets?
1: yeah and i like don't think they know about it. <laughs> yeah and i don't think they quite maybe understand that it's like it seems like it's like in the middle of the country like it should but it's like no it's like wow, like yeah i would not right I would, next to colorado
0: it should be cool <laughs> yeah
1: yeah yeah exactly it's like but especially if you're rving too like i'm like oh being in an rv when it's 100 some degrees even if you have mm. full hookups like it's hot still so i mean at nice night it cools off which is nice but yes I think April, maybe May, and then I think October would be a beautiful time to visit Utah too.
0: So since you have seen so many national parks, do you have a couple of favorites? I'm sure it's hard to narrow no, them this down. No, we but actually
1: do. So people do? will ask okay. traveling full-time, like, where are your favorite places? And like, then I got have to name off like five or ten things. I'm like, I don't know. But when it comes to national parks, we do have an order. So ours is Glacier National Park is our favorite that's been at the top and has not changed. And people always like, try to get me to change that. I'm like, no, you don't get it. Like that's at the top. And <laughs> why, why is that your favorite? I think it's just, it's, so we've been to Banff and Jasper and then yes, that can be. I want to go it. there too. Yeah. How does it compare to those a glacier? It's like the little brother, little sister of like Banff and Jasper. So if you're going to do a road trip, go to glacier first and be awed and amazed, and then go to Waterton <laughs> lakes <just> in Canada. <laughs> And then make your way to Banff and Jasper because it's kind of a good like progression to go. Um, so I would say for that reason, but it's just the the mountains are just gorgeous and the color of the water and like just the wildlife. And there's just so many things about it that just like spoke to us and we just loved, like love, love, love. And the Utah National Parks are like amazing. Don't get me wrong, but we're not really desert people. So I think that comes into account too. So for us, the mountains, the glacier water that whatever color you want to call that glacier water. Like, I just love it. It's like my favorite color. And (laughs) so I think all of that for me was what for us made glacier be what it was. And then our second one is Yellowstone because it's Yellowstone. And if you've never been like, you just got to go because it's Yellowstone. And like, there's so many different aspects to Yellowstone that if you go to visit there, like every day you're seeing and doing something different and the wildlife and the thermal features, like it's just, It's an awesome experience and a unique place in itself to visit. And then our third one is um, Yosemite because again, it's Yosemite. Like we went in the spring and the waterfalls and hiking right along the waterfalls, getting sprayed with the water, like the green, that like, it was just, it was a really, really cool experience. So those are kind of our top three, but then definitely have in there dry tortugas if you Uh can get to it is like that, that to me, if you like beach, you like water, like that's a very, very unique experience. So Fort Jefferson and Dry Tortugas would have that's that. off the Florida Keys, right? That's, yep. That's I think mm-hmm. 70 miles off of Key West. So you have to take a boat, which is a little bit of a wild ride, a boat, or you can fly in and you can camp overnight there, but like that, that's another amazing park. And then, um, yeah, so those, of course I could keep going about what I love about all of them, but Those would be what would fall into our category of what we always share is our top ones. And what about the parks around Yosemite,
0: like Saguaro, is that right? And uh, Kings? Yes,
1: yes. Is that what it is? Yep. So Sequoia and Kings Canyon and those ones like, yes, if you're going to Yosemite, make sure you add those on. If you're going to, if you live in the area and you can come back and forth, whatever, but if you're like, you're flying in just to do Yosemite add Sequoia and Kings Canyon on, make sure to check your dates. Cause those ones do open later as well. But seeing those gigantic trees, like is like wild. Like you can't even believe that they're like there. And I know Yosemite has some of them, but like that, those are really cool. Again, lesser visited national parks that are well worth setting a day aside for each and on our site, we have like how to spend a day in Sequoia and a day in Kings Canyon. I think that'd be plenty of time if you only have one day even you could do it if you're okay you know driving you know for a decent amount but yeah those are definitely ones that i think should be on your list if you visit yosemite and then the other one we really like of course is the redwoods and mere woods right outside of san francisco like that place like spoke to us like it was crazy mm-hmm. just walk through and it's mere woods so it's like it's not quite the redwoods but the redwoods are So spread out as a national park, it's a very different experience where in Muir Woods, like you just go and walk in here and and walking through the woods was just, it was was very magical. And I do believe, I didn't put that on the list because Muir Woods isn't a national park, but it's whatever national, whatever they call it, monument or whatever it is. But that, I think you also need a registration for that as well. So if you are looking to go to Muir Woods, make sure to look that up and see if you do need an entry ticket because it is a smaller area, but another one that is one we always remember.
0: Um and one thing I meant to ask you earlier was just I don't know it seems like there's a like how important is the order that you do things in a national park it sounds like it's not that important to you cuz you just are less of a planner and show up but you know like it seems like with Yellowstone or like people are like okay first you go here and then you go to this and then you go to that
1: and you know i think hmm. it really has to do with how much time you have so like when we went to Acadia National Park we only had two and a half days that was cuz we were doing a whole east coast road trip so we only had two and a half days so we went to Acadia we knew once we got on the main road of the main loop of the park, you can't turn around. It's only one direction. <laughs> mm-hmm. So we looked at the road and we said, okay, we're on the road and this is what we want to do. So we have to do this hike first, even though we would have preferred to do this one, but that's farther down the road and we couldn't backtrack. So it was like, we had to kind of lay out like what we could do just to stay on the road. Cause we only had that one day to do that part of the park. So I would say the same thing. Like if you're looking to do glacier and you only have two days, three days, I, I would recommend a week, but you only have two or three okay. days. Then when you're doing the going to the sun road, like look at it and see what's on that road, because are you going to drive it again or not? You know, and and book and plan things based on your time and how far of a drive it is, because most places it is a drive <laughs> in the national parks to get from one place to the other. You don't want to drive all the way and go, oh, wait, we've got to do that and then drive back and then drive back again and, you know, and pass something. So I do think it takes a day before planning. So before you're going to go in the morning get out your national park you know, map you get when you first go to the visitor center and look at it and circle the things you want to do. Look at the roads, look where you need to go and make sure that you do know where you want to stop once you get in the car and start driving. Or like in our case, like we get in the car and my husband just look at me like, where are we going? And I'd pull up <laughs> the map and okay, we're going here. And then I'd be looking as we're driving at what the next place is like, oh yeah, I want to go there too. And like, you know, making sure we'd stop there. But so I do think for that reason, it is good the night before to kind of at least look at it and say, here's, and here's what I don't want to miss. Cause the worst thing you do is you drive all the way an hour past something and then realize, oh, that was an hour back and we should have turned right there and we missed it. And you know, now do we have time to go back? So it's worth, it's worth looking at and doing that. But again, if you have time that, you know, you're going to be coming back the next day, then you just add that to the list for the next day. Cause if you do allow yourself just to go in the park and kind of just drive around and take random turns and like just kind of explore, you will find things you didn't even know were there Mm -hmm. too. So it is nice to have that time. If you can block a day, that's just kind of random. Like we're just going to go drive. Let's pack a cooler, you know, pack snacks. Like we're ready to go. Let's just go drive and see where it takes us. And maybe you only stop one place. You Mm -hmm. fall in love with that spot and you spend like all day around Old Faithful because you could if you wanted to. And like, that's okay. Like that's an awesome experience. Love it. All right. Is there
0: anything else you want to share? You think we need to know as we're planning for national
1: parks this year i would just say above all else check the national park website to find out about the vehicle registration i've had multiple people reach out to me and say we planned our trip but i didn't know i needed a vehicle registration i didn't know that going to the sun road was going to open or it wasn't open yet so for things like that i would say just check their website and do some research to find out like when are the busiest times when is when has there been forest fires in the past? Like kind of know some of these things just to prepare yourself for it. But overall, just go with an open mindset that it's going to be not a Disney trip. This is a relaxing, (laughs) take your time, like whatever, you know, and just, and have that be part of what the adventure and the journey is, is to get yourself into this place of just enjoying the nature and the outside and like the not having to rush from thing to thing. And pick your top like three things you want to do in the national park and make sure you really understand how to do those, but challenge yourself to only pick three. So the rest of the time can be open to what presents itself once you're there, or once you talk to the ranger and we've gone before, like there's this hike I really want to do in Glacier. It's the iceberg lake hike, and we've never been able to do it because every time we've gone and we've gone to talk to the ranger, they're like, it's closed because of grizzly bear activity. Like, no joke, every time we've gone, and the one time we waited and went one like a day later, and that night they closed it before mm-hmm. we were going to go. So, like, why didn't we go today? So, like, there's those things that, and again, like, it happens. I'm not going to go hike with the grizzlies. So, like, it's cool. I don't need to do right. it. But if you have those things that are at the top of your list, then you can make sure when you get there, you knock those off, you make those happen, and then you have other time just open to just explore and enjoy the area. Yeah, I think that's a great kind of
0: middle ground approach. A little bit of planning, a little bit of, doing as you feel like in the moment. And that's a good good way to travel, I think.
1: Yes, all right. Um, tell us where we can find you online. Yes, we are at Crazy Family Adventure everywhere. <laughs> so you can find us all over the place on Crazy Family Adventure. We have content on our site that is about Arvine. We also have a ton of con- uh, content just about national parks or things to do in different cities. We have like a Yellowstone vacation that doesn't even include much of Yellowstone. It's all stuff around Yellowstone. So if you want to try to do some of those type of things that are a little outside of the national parks, we have that as well. And then we do have our guides. So if you're like, okay, I want to go to Glacier. I need some help and some guidance. Our guides are meant to, you can follow them like to the T, like step by step if you want to, but they're also great guides to buy, to just get an idea of what you can do a good starting point. And then you can dive in and and really narrow in on what the things are that you want to do. And those guides include like where to stay, where to eat kind of a timeline for what to do each day. There's a lot of really detailed information in there. So we have on Glacier, Yellowstone. Um, we have a Utah road trip, a 10-day Utah road trip guide. We have an Arches guide, and we have an Acadia guide, and then a Capitol Reef guide. I believe those are all of them. And then we also have a National Park Planning Workbook that is not about any specific national park. It just walks you through how to plan a national park trip like things to write down, time, it's how you want to do things, just kind of give you a good starting point to then dive into the details on the actual national park that you want to visit. So um, so yeah, so you can check that out on our site. If you go to Crazy Family Adventure, there's a shop option. If you click that, you'll see all of those guides. And then um, we also have an email newsletter that we send out once a week that, of course, I'm talking about all these fun different things, different places to go and things to do. So if you go to our site, you can join that email list as well. And then Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, um, what else are we on? You have lots of great videos. Yes, yeah, we try to do a lot of great videos. So we have that all over on social media as well and and just love to help people plan awesome trips, especially to national parks.
0: Yeah, and I highly recommend like getting one of her guides. I mean, like I'm a big believer in why reinvent the wheel? (laughs) Someone else has already figured it out. So I love to always follow what someone else has laid out, at least as a starting point for us. Um, and then we can tweak it from there. So um, definitely go check that out. Okay, awesome conversation. Thanks so much, Brianna, for sharing your wisdom with us on national parks. I hope everyone's inspired to go out and pick a national park this year and, and go see it. And don't be intimidated. Just dive in and enjoy, right. <laughs> enjoy the experience,
1: whatever it ends up being, right? <laughs> exactly, exactly. And thank you so much for having me on.
0: I really appreciate it. All right, everyone, we will see you on the next episode. If you're ready to fly your family free forever, I invite you to join my family's fly free membership. You'll learn how to stop paying for airfare throughout the U.S., Caribbean and Europe so you can make those priceless travel memories before your kids or even grandkids leave home for good. And you'll learn it using my simple, proven formula that's helped hundreds of families. You can get more information at familiesflyfree.com.